Hey everybody, welcome back to the Give Me Space podcast. Um, I thought I would get one in before um, the craziness of whatever starts to happen on November 3rd. I know all of you may not be in the U.S., but I'm sure that, you know, even if you're not, you probably know we're facing a big election and a lot of us are um, have very strong feelings about it and are very on edge. Uh, this podcast is definitely not going to be about that, but I did think I would share because it's, you know, for many of us, it's taking up a lot of space and we just kind of want to get it over with. Um, but something that my husband and I are doing uh, and we're going to really double down on um, on election day and however long it takes to get results after that is a real emphasis on prayer and specifically praying at certain times through the day. We are going to try and pray pray the hours. Um, If you're familiar with that, it's an ancient practice, an ancient Christian practice, uh, particularly from the Catholic stream of things, uh, where you pray seven times a day. It comes from St. Benedict. Um, It's kind of part of the monastic way of life. We've kind of taken up the practice of doing morning and evening prayers that way. Um, and if you're familiar with the Book of Common Prayer, that's kind of the uh, the Anglican <laughs> or Episcopalian version of that. Uh, and there are plenty of apps for both of those. You can do, you know, that Book of Common Prayer. There are apps to help you do that. Um, I'm using an app, uh, a Catholic app for the hours, just because I like the option of having those seven different times a day, even though I've never prayed through all the hours yet. But we're just taking some time to connect with God throughout these, you know, possibly tumultuous days because these prayers, um, and of course you don't have to pray the hours or the the offices as they're sometimes called the daily office um, if you don't want to, but we're just finding a lot of comfort in having set scripture readings and set prayers that we don't have to think about and that, I mean, that we don't have to, you know, think about selecting. Um, but also that, that really tie us to something bigger than ourselves because they're tying us to, uh, the ancient church, the church in the past, the present and the future. It really takes us out of, you know, these momentary tribulations, if you will, and helps us focus on something bigger than us. And I think that might be really helpful to clear out space, when we're facing so much stress in our daily lives, uh, particularly this week from, you know, the political situation in the United States. Um, And if you're not in the United States, I would just imagine with the pandemic and whatever you may face in your own country, it just seems like turbulent times around the world. And, you know, that discipline of meeting with God several times throughout the day may just really help open up space. But enough uh, on that. That's just kind of something I'm going to be doing and other people might find helpful. Uh, Today, though, we are going to talk about judgment a little bit. And, you know, now that I say that, I'm like, well, this might actually (laughs) really apply to the political situation and creating space there, too. But we certainly won't be talking specifically at all about politics. Um, Praise the Lord, right? (laughs) Uh, I just have been thinking recently about how much judgment takes up space in our minds and in our hearts. 
a while ago I was at a, a park and you know if you're a mom that takes kids to parks this may resonate with you I don't know but my son was doing something I think he was climbing up the slide and it just kind of like ran through my mind like one you know I just kind of assumed that another mom there she was a mom that seemed to just have one child one small child probably her first right um and you know I don't even think she looked at me or said anything to me or my son but I went through this whole thing in my mind thinking oh she's probably judging me for letting him go up the slide as opposed to only going down it because some people have strong opinions about that (laughs) now again this was just all inside my head and it was a fleeting thought uh but it just kind of stuck out to me as wow how much time do I think about what other people are thinking about me and how much does that impact me on a daily basis I think unfortunately quite a lot if you don't care at all what other people think about you good for you that's amazing please share your secrets but (laughs) uh even though I think I'm better at it than when I was a much younger woman I just think for sure it takes up a lot of unconscious space in my mind and my heart. I remember reading an article, and I'm so sorry, I don't know where I read it, but it was an op-ed in a newspaper or something where a woman was talking about, you know, she was like at a food court at a mall, and she was there with her like three children, and, you know, they were eating garbage food court food, and her kids were fussing, and they, you know had mess sloppy clothes on and there was a mom there with a little girl perfectly dressed and they weren't even eating the food at the food court you know the mom was just unpacking this healthy stuff and she gave the little girl an avocado to eat and the little girl ate it gratefully and the mom said you know I just felt like she was she was eating that avocado at me her look she was serving that avocado at me and her daughter's clothes were somehow like at me we feel sometimes so much perceived judgment (laughs) from other people um, when they're probably not even thinking about us at all so I think it just takes up a lot of space so I think it's worth getting into and I think there's you know kind of two main kinds of judgment we need to deal with right there's the judgment that we might receive from others or we perceive that we're getting from others like you know she's eating that avocado at me type of feeling Or I'm afraid that mom is judging me for my child's behavior on the playground. Um, But then there's the kind of judgment that we put onto others. Um, So I think today we're kind of going to look at more our own judgment that we project out onto other people. And of course, I have to mention, there's a distinction between judgment and being judgmental because really what we're talking about here is being judgmental we all make judgments we have to make judgments we couldn't survive in the world Um, and I think God himself kind of calls us and expects us to make sound judgments Um, I hate to bring it up but of course when we go and we cast our vote you know we're making a judgment and we're trying to make the best one that we can but we're talking really about I think more we would use the word judgmental to describe this. When we assume things about other people, when we, uh, you know, make up stories about them in our own hearts and minds, that sort of thing. If you're a Christian, perhaps even if you aren't, you're really likely familiar with Jesus telling people not to judge others. Take the log out of your own eye, right? Before you 
worry about the speck in someone else's, he says. Judge not others, lest you be judged. These are very famous lines from scripture. I think it's a big focus for Jesus because he understands how it consumes us and just kind of withers our souls. In an article by Catherine Marshall um, from the ministry Renovare's Archives, and I, I'll link it in the notes, she got an, assi- an assignment from God one day to not say anything critical at all for one day. And she ends up bullet pointing what she learned about having a, a critical spirit, as we call it. A critical spirit focuses us on ourselves and makes us unhappy. We lose perspective and humor. A critical spirit blocks the positive creative thoughts God longs to give us. A critical spirit can prevent good relationships between individuals and often produces retaliatory criticalness. Criticalness blocks the work of the spirit of God, love, goodwill, mercy. Whenever we see something genuinely wrong in another person's behavior, rather than criticize him or her directly, or for worse, gripe about him behind his or her back, we should ask the spirit of God to do the correction needed. I don't know about you, but all of those things listed, they resonate with me. And that is a lot of space and energy being sucked away. That's a lot of joy in our lives that being critical steals from us and and steals from others. You know, because you'll notice that if you're critical of someone, like it said here, it often makes them critical right back at you, right? (laughs) And I think we're seeing Certainly spend two seconds on Facebook and you will see a lot of critical spirit. (laughs) Having a critical spirit, unfortunately, is something that my modern Western culture has really hammered into me. Pretty much all we're taught to do in universities is kind of pick apart everybody else's ideas, right? We write whole papers, you know, kind of tearing somebody else's thoughts down. I know that's a bit of a simplistic overstatement, but certainly as a seminary graduate, I know I spent two years being critical about all kinds of things and writing papers and pages of criticism. Now, this isn't to say that thinking well and learning the art of sound logic isn't of the utmost importance. I'm definitely teaching my kids about logical fallacies. It's, it's more important than ever to learn how to reason well. Um, but... You know, to have a spirit that is just looking for wrong and looking to lord over being right (laughs) over everybody else, that's kind of a different thing. And that's something that we really need to watch out for in ourselves. You know, and I I think we all have experienced that. If you, you look on social media, even the most heartwarming story, or you can post the most neutral thing you can imagine and still get some weird, angry emoji reaction or some horrible argument might break out, you know, um, because people are just so ready to judge and to be critical and be, and then be vindictive on top of that. I remember I saw the the Ghostbusters movie that came out a few years ago. It was the one with the female Ghostbusters. And I just said like, oh, I loved the new Ghostbusters movie or I had so much fun at the movie. And somebody put like an angry reaction there. (laughs) I think this person was offended that they made one with women or something. But anyway, it was just like, what? (laughs) Stop, get a life, you know? Um, That was somebody I actually ended up just one of the few people, I, I think maybe the only person I've ever blocked from my Facebook list because they were just so argumentative with people they didn't even know that would make comments on a post of mine or something. But anyway, um, how much more free would we all feel to love and to be loved if we let go of the endless need to critique or share our opinion on everything? 
There's a great story um, that John Ortberg shares in his book, uh, Soul Keeping. A lot of that book is actually kind of about his relationship with Dallas Willard. Uh, so this is really a great story about Dallas Willard. But he was a professor. He was a professor of philosophy at USC. And basically, there it sounds like there was this, you know, really annoying young student in the class who was just very argumentative and, you know, uh, just wanted to sound smart. And, you know, I guess John was in this class observing and at the end of the class said, why'd you let him get away with that? Why didn't you demolish him? And Dallas replied, I was practicing the discipline of not having the last word. That seems like a discipline we could all use more of right now. (laughs) So yes, Dallas said in response to my confession, being right is actually a very hard burden to be able to carry gracefully and humbly. That's why nobody likes to sit next to the kid in class who's right all the time. One of the hardest things in the world is to be right and not hurt other people with it. What a mature way to be, to not always have to be right and hit everybody over the head with it, right? (laughs) I'm definitely still working on that one. But as we um, go out into this week, let's just, you know, think about how much our judgments of other people's are taking away from us, from our own hearts, from our own soul, from the our space, from the way that we could show up with the people that we love if we were guarding our hearts from critical thoughts about them all the time. And if we were looking for the good instead of the bad. <laughs> and if before we correct someone else, we ask the Holy Spirit to do it for us. You know, a lot of times when I go to pray about something that I feel someone else has done wrong, I find that God ends up you know, gently telling me, hey, you know, you've got this in your heart here. Um, And it opens a door for me to be closer with God and for me to look at another area of my life that maybe I hadn't noticed before. So I know it's a lot of of work to kind of get rid of of being judgmental. uh, And it's something I have personally really struggled with since I can remember. I think it's kind of a a pet sin of mine, if you will. Um, But it really does just take up so much, <laughs> so much space. So um, I'm wishing you all the best this week and all the peace. Uh, may you find peace. May you find um, an anchor in something bigger than yourself this week and bigger than whatever's on the news. <laughs> and may you hold your judgments and opinions just a little bit looser. So praying for you, praying for all of us in this time, and I hope to hear you um, talk to you again soon, and then we'll kind of work on judgment that we feel that we're getting from others, either real or maybe imagined. (laughs) Have a great week.